If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. That we understand this new reality that we live in. Hallelujah. We do not identify with these things, what we once were. Look, I want you to see all those things that it says that we once walked and that we once conducted and that we were by nature children of wrath just as the other. We were by all of these things. These are all past tense. This is not what we're trying to work out of. This is what we once were. It's over. It's done. Everybody say past guilt. Past guilt. It's over. Now, we were, I like, I mean, this phrase, this, this term, children of wrath by nature. Jump over to Colossians chapter 1 for just a moment, and uh, this will give us a little better idea and understanding of what this means to be children of wrath by nature. It was, it was, in our nature, to go against God. 121 Colossians, and you who once were, again, this is talking about who we were, how we once acted, you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled, thank God, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. See, what this verse is teaching us, these verses are teaching us is that now you have to see things the way God sees them. Yes, right. You have to see yourself how he sees you. Yes, huh. He sees you holy. He sees you blameless. And he sees you above reproach. Right. In his sight. But see, in our minds, apart from Christ, we automatically see ourselves on the other side, of, that God is not on our side, that God is not with us, and we show that by those wicked works. That's what this says. We were, in our minds, enemies by wicked works. It's like the best that you could figure in your mind was that you were not on the same side as God, and so your works then showed what you were thinking, that God was far, far, far away. So you did whatever felt good. You did whatever you wanted to. Because you just considered yourself apart from God. And you were. That's how the nature of the children of wrath works. You feel. How many of you, since you've become a Christian, have felt like God was angry with you at something that you did? That's just by a show of hands. How many of you felt like God was angry with you, right, by what you did? Now, see what that is. That's old nature thinking. That's that nature of the children of wrath thinking. That's how the children of wrath think. They think, they think that God's upset. God's mad. God doesn't want anything to do with them. But as a child of God, see, the enemy is going to try to make what once was what is. He wants you thinking nothing's changed. Right? And he hones in on your weaknesses. Huh? And he pushes those buttons. And he wants you to continue to think that you cannot please God. You can't, you can't, you cannot please him. No matter what you do, you're gonna end up falling on your face and you're gonna upset God. Right? He wants you to have this image of God folding his arms, thinking, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. 
Been doing good for two weeks. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Right? Like God is cynical. Like he's up there thinking that, that, that what Jesus did might work or it might not. You just never know. Jesus, we rolled the dice, so let's just see. Right? God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling the whole world unto himself. And he became the target, the centerpiece of God's wrath. And every bit of it was put on Jesus. And none of it was put on us. As a, what a great thing. So for one second, if you ever feel that you have made God angry by what you've done, I want you to, in the next breath, say, no, that's impossible. That's impossible. See, that's why we walk by how? We walk by what? Faith. Faith. Not by how we feel, not by what we see, not by what we think, but by faith in the Word of God. It's one step in front of the other. But you have to be vigilant in faith. You have to be vigilant because you do have this enemy who is contradicting you. You do have this world. You do have circumstances that, that, that contradict the reality of God's promises in your life. And the way to continue in faith is to speak out and declare what God has said. Remember, the spirit of faith is believing and speaking. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is released by speaking. Amen. And so when that feeling comes, you have to combat that feeling with the word. Say, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, I know that's not true because Isaiah 54 says that God swore he'd no longer be angry with us anymore. He said, this is as the waters of Noah to me. And what he's talking about is Isaiah chapter 53, which we all know. And we're going to look at that in just a moment, right? Talking about the the Lamb of God who would be slaughtered, that Jesus Christ would would be slain for for, for our sins, right? And then in 54, God's talking about chapter 53, what that would mean for him and us. And he said, this, this event... This event where he is wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. This event where our chastis- the chastisement of our peace is upon him and with his stripes we are. This event is wiping out my anger. And just as I swore to Noah that I would never flood the earth again, so I have I sworn I will never be angry with you. Hmm. What a great reality of that faith is for the believer. Faith is reality. Amen. Man, I don't know how many Christians I've talked to. Well, pastor, I feel like I'm being fake. I feel like I'm being fake when I say by his stripes I'm healed when I'm not healed. I feel like that's being fake. Yeah, listen to what you're saying. I feel like, I feel like. Either the word of God is true or it's just a big fantasy. Come on. Right? How many know that God is the real thing? Amen. His word is what's real. See, so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. This, this is not reality. Who you are is in the spirit. That's, right. that's the real deal, right? Everything that we see came out of what we don't see. Everything that's visible came out of the invisible. Hallelujah. That's, that's the real thing, that's the real substance. Amen. And so we get into the reality of God by walking by faith, declaring his, declaring his word. All right, we got to keep going. 
See, that's why the devil, he can accuse you, and he will, but he cannot convict you. He has, he has, he has no evidence. He thinks he's got evidence, but as far as the Father's concerned, all the evidence has been wiped clean. Hallelujah. He can accuse you all day long, but you're not who you used to be. He's trying to identify with who you were. See, he doesn't understand this whole new creation. He, he doesn't get it. And so he's continuing trying to think, no, 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 this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is what you've done, right? No, he can't convict you because God already convicted you when he convicted Jesus. Whew. Okay, but God, everybody say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Man, that's a mouthful right there. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Now, everybody, uh, that was past guilt we were talking about. Now we're talking about present grace. All right? God, who is rich in mercy. There was a... Um, there was a poor woman, very poor, from the slums of London. She was taken on a holiday by some friends and family. Never been out of her little area, out of the little poor district that she was from. And they took her to the ocean. And she just gazed out at that ocean for a long time and began to weep. And they're looking at her and they're looking at this, the beautiful blue sky and the sun and the ocean. And they're thinking, what in the world? Could she possibly be sad about right now? She said, this is the first thing I've ever seen where there's enough. I've never seen anything like this. There's enough. There's enough. You and I can never, ever measure the riches of God's mercy or the greatness of his love. To ever think that your sins could even compete with the magnitude of his mercy and love is a flat-out joke. God, who is rich in mercy, his great love, this is. Let's just grab a hold of the magnitude of this verse. He's rich in mercy. Where sin abounded, what happened? Grace did much more abound. Take that into your heart. Let that bigness overwhelm you. Magnify the Lord. Amen. Yes. Not your mistakes. See him as bigger than any obstacle, any mistake, any failure, any trouble, any habit, any weakness, any sin, any hurt. God is bigger. He is rich in mercy. His love is great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. But God, who is rich in mercy, far exceeded the deadness of our sin and trespasses. His good is gooder than our bad is bad. Even, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Now look at this. It says it's because of his love that he did this. He was motivated by love. Period. And when he did that was when we were dead in sin. 
See that God wasn't trying to make us look to him before he responded to us. He wasn't waiting for that. Love compelled him to go after us. It compelled him to run after us and find us, save us, rescue us, period. That's what was motivating our our almighty God. Not you look toward me and then, then I'll know you're serious and then I'll come help you. Now we're out there just lost and dead in sin. Some of us even shaking our fists at God. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians 5, while we were enemies with God, there were the weak, there were the sinful, and there were the enemies, and Christ died for all of them. We didn't know what we were doing. Even Jesus said we didn't. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're lost. They're in darkness. They don't know what they're doing. God, who is rich in mercy by his great love, he saved us. He brought grace. That's why we have to go tell people out here when you invite them to church and they say things like, oh man, the ceiling would cave in if I walked through those doors. Right? I feel like they have to get, get things right before they step into church. Right? And understanding this is where you get right. This is where it happens. Yeah. Amen. Come in drunk. I don't care. Yeah. Come in high. Whatever it takes, just get in here. Amen. Get in here because this is, this is where you'll find life. Amen. Amongst God's people in the presence of Almighty God. This is where, it, this is where your life changes. Amen. You can't change yourself Amen. without his power. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. This is why the church is in the earth, ladies and gentlemen. This is why we're here. Amen. 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 Why we're here. Not about getting right first, right? We don't clean the fish till after they're caught. That's good. <laughs> All right. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. So he made us alive. He raised us up. And he made us sit. We talked a little bit about that last week. Made us sit. He made us sit together where? Now, where are you sitting right now? At One Cause Church. But this said that, now now I want you to notice here, this is all said in past tense. He made us alive. He raised us up together. And he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When? I'm sitting on earth. When did that, how in the world is that possible? See, because if, if we're not careful, we'll just identify our life by what's, what we see here. Rather than the greater reality that in the spirit, the limits are off. And that you can be seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, even right now, and still be seated here right in this place. <laughs> now, I don't know, I can't understand that. And we cannot with this finite mind understand that. But apparently that is the reality. How many of you are going to heaven? All right? So, you're going there, but you're already there at the same time. You're going there, but you're already there. Because Jesus did all this. When you receive Christ, at that moment, 
You became a new creation, and you became eternally alive at that moment. Eternal, eternal life does not start when you get in he, to heaven. Eternal life starts the moment you put your faith in Christ. You become pew, eternally alive at that moment. All right? And at that moment, you are, you are positioned with Christ in heavenly places. All right, now, we have to think about this for just a moment. All right. God has already, he's promised us heaven, and he's promised us eternal life through Jesus Christ, right? To all those who believe. He has seated you in heavenly places and given you his Holy Spirit now <laughs> as an advance on your everlasting inheritance. Now, I want to say that because I think when I just said that, you didn't really get what I said. I'm going to say that again, that he has given you his Holy Spirit now as an advance for your everlasting inheritance. Do you remember in Luke chapter 11 where Jesus is talking? This is also in Matthew 7, but Luke chapter 11 says it a little bit different. Where it says, uh, if a son asks for bread, will his father give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will he give him a scorpion or a snake? And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? One of those. Anyway, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Now, Matthew says, give good things to those who ask, right? But in Luke, he says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Because the Holy Spirit is there to reveal every good thing from God. Amen. Woo! So you get the Holy Spirit, then you get the understanding of all good things. He is the personification of the good things of God. Ah, I love that. And now he comes and stays in you, and he's there giving you advances to what you are eternally entitled to through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we can call on healing right now. That's why we can call on God's blessing right now. We can take advances on that for what we already have, what we will receive. See, you haven't received the fullness of your salvation at this point because we still got this body, but someday we're going to have a glorified body. Everybody say future glory. Future glory. We have this past guilt that we see. We we have a present grace, and now we got a future glory coming. But see that future glory, we can see sparks of it right here on the earth. Yes. That's why we can pray, "Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven," because we have a right to that because that's our inheritance. Yes. Now, and that inheritance becomes in force when when the guy who wrote the will dies, and so since Jesus already died, then the will is already in force. Yes. Not the moment you die, but the moment he died. Hallelujah. And when Jesus died, every good thing came into our life. And that's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's job, well, one of his main jobs is, 1 Corinthians 2, 12, you hear me say this, but I want to just remind you again, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit is revealing continually what God has given to us. I think you preach on the promises too much. I'm just saying what the Holy Ghost is saying. He's there revealing to us what has been freely given to us by God. Why isn't that our emphasis? As a matter of fact, the very next verse of verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 2, it says, these things we also speak. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you're not going to say anything deeper than the Holy Spirit. You're not going to say anything more spiritual than the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't know what's talking about the promises. Well, what do you want to talk about? You got a better idea than the Holy Spirit? You got a better subject to talk about than the Holy Spirit? Amen. 
Okay, why is that important? Because God wants you to understand you have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, that's why we have to live like we're already there. And that means that we can, have, we can make certain demands on the earth because we are citizens of another kingdom. Yes. You are in this world, but you are certainly not of this world. Amen. You're reigning right now in a heavenly place. Thank, you. Thank God for Jesus. Hey, you didn't do any of that. He did it. He made you alive. He raised you up. He made you sit down. Hmm. Okay. Are you all right? Now, I want, I want to just, oh, man. Time is moving on. Time keeps on slipping, slipping. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8 for just a moment. Matthew 8, and verse 16, when the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Let me just say something for just a moment. You know, people always, uh, I see people writing books and stuff that we need to eat what Jesus ate, right? The problem with us is that we've gotten off that biblical diet, right? We need to eat how they ate back then. Well, if, they're, if that's the way to do it, how come Jesus hadn't healed all these sick people if they're all so healthy? Right? I know, just a food for thought. Okay. And, <laughs> and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Anybody have a problem with that at all? I have a little problem with that. That it might be fulfilled that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Now, when did Jesus take our infirmities and when did he bear our sickness? Somebody just yell it out. At the cross. Was Jesus at the cross here? But it says that he cast out devils. He healed sick people that it might be fulfilled. He himself bore it. Okay, well, there's a little timeline problem here. Jesus didn't actually do any of that until he was beaten by those Roman lictors and beaten, took those stripes on his back, and he was marched that lonely road and up that hill and laid on that cross and was crucified and poured out his blood, that's when that was accomplished. That's when that was fulfilled. But in Matthew chapter 8, it makes it sound like it happened right there. But see, here's the thing. God had already proclaimed this truth thousands of years earlier in Isaiah chapter 53, which we were just talking about. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, or that is, our pains and our sicknesses, and we, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are what? Now, no, notice this, that Isaiah is even making it sound like that that was past tense. Isaiah's not saying that he will be wounded for our transgressions. He will be bruised. No, he says he was, he was, he was. 
So there's something about that slain before the foundation of the world, isn't there? There's something about all this being in God's mind a long time ago, and the moment God declared it. See, in God's mind, the moment that he says it, it is as good as done. Hallelujah. So now Jesus, walking as the Word of God, clothed in flesh, came walking, and he came to fulfill that Word. And just him doing that, healing the sick, and doing, he's already acting like it's already finished. It's already done. He's already been hanging on that cross. He's already died. He's already rose again. He's already ascended to the Father. He's acting like that's already been accomplished because God had already said it. So that means that it is done, just like he was saying. It's an eternal Word. What an amazing thing. It's already done. That's why you can say, he can say right there that it might be fulfilled because God already said it. And Jesus is just walking it out. And what he's doing right there in Matthew chapter 8, he's writing checks is what he's doing. He's saying, I'll pay for this later. Just down the road in a few days, I'm going to pay for this. So he's writing checks. He's healing people. He's acting like it's already done, casting out devils. Making advances. Isn't that good? Now, who are you in this earth? As he is, so are you in this world. So you have to act like it's already done. Then. You have to act like you really are seated there so that you can go about laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, casting out devils, having signs and wonders follow you because we're not waiting for it to get done. We're not waiting for a revival to come, looking for a spiritual awakening somewhere down the road if we'll just act like we are who we are, who God has already made us to be, then we'll live in this awakening all the time. Amen. Amen. It's right now. Tell your neighbor, it's right now. And Jesus never wavered from his mission. Jesus never faltered to fulfill his purpose. Never. Anytime anybody spoke against him going to that cross, you remember what he said to one of his dearest friends on earth? Simon Peter, right? Now, I want to just mention that this happened to be in the very same chapter that Jesus said, Peter, I call you rock, right? And just a few verses later, Jesus is predicting his death, and Peter says, Jesus, far that, that far be that from you. And Jesus turned around and said, get behind me, Satan. Well, is he a rock or is he Satan? Right? Well, he's, ta- he's talking to that, that, that messenger behind Peter. Right? Jesus knew the devil was going to try to talk him out of this. Mm. He says, get behind me, Satan. Right? He didn't want to hear anything that was opposed to his mission. Matter of fact, the Bible says at one point he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. Right? Now, you've all, we've talked about this, but it's important that I just remind you again that in that garden, in that garden where Jesus said, let this cup pass. Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. And we hear, we've heard this sermon. Oh, this is where Jesus identifies with humanity. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Like, it, like he says all of that before, he's, he, he calls what Peter says Satan Right? And he gets in the garden and says, Let this cup pass from me. Is that not is that not giving in? 
Is that not giving in? Now, I never liked that verse because I never understood it for so many years. Because you hear preachers, I mean, we always see Jesus at this point, this breaking point, like, oh, well, thank God he didn't give in. Oh, thank the Lord. Right, like at the last second, he said, oh, no, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Turn over to John chapter 12 for just a moment. I'm going to help you. John chapter 12. In verse 27, Mike, uh, Matt, you want to bring that up? John 12, 27. Now, this is before he gets to the garden. We were talking about this the other night, weren't we, Laura? <clears throat> there we go. Now, Jesus is talking. He says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. What's the answer to that, to that question? Help me, people. What's the answer to that question? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Right? And then he's going to get in the garden and go, let this cup pass for me. Let me help you right now. When Jesus gets to the garden, he says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. See, Jesus did not mince words. Jesus wasn't sarcastic. Jesus wasn't, just, wasn't saying, Oh, I'm just dying like we do. This heat's killing me. Right? He didn't say stuff like that. He said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. What is Jesus telling us? He's dying. And for the first time, the sins of all mankind are being transferred over onto that lamb. And he begins to feel physically and in his soul the very pressure of that sin. And it begins to bring death upon him. And Jesus has never known death. He is life. He said at one point before that, I am the resurrection and the life. But now life is being overtaken by death. And Jesus senses it. He says, I'm dying. So when he comes to the Father, he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not asking his Father to get him out of there. Jesus is asking his Father to survive the garden to get to the cross, not to get out of the cross but to make it to the cross. That has been his mission from the very beginning. Jesus has never wavered from his mission, and anything else is erroneous. Amen. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if it's your will that I die right here in the garden, then let your will be done. But I do know that curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Hmm? And I know that that tree has a very important part so that that blessing could come upon all mankind. And the Bible says that angels came and strengthened him. God answered his prayer right there. Angels came, strengthened him. He survived that event and went on through. And that's our hero. Never wavered from his mission. Never gave in for one second. See, sometimes we mistake, we make a mistake by thinking that God is just a little bit better than us. He's so far better than us. He's so far better than us. We cannot think in, in, in human terms here. Hallelujah. Mm, okay, let's keep going. I'm almost done. I really am. You see, in the Spirit, you're already seated with Christ. 
so that you can, you can make advances, hallelujah, right here on the inheritance that you already have. He made us alive. He made us sit. Jesus is seated in heavenly places, so you're seated in heavenly places. He's far above principalities and powers. Where does that make you? He's far above all power and might and dominion. Where are you? Man. And I turn to Revelation chapter 7. We'll finish. Is this helping you tonight? Revelation chapter 7. When I was at Christ for the Nations, two decades ago, plus, don't laugh, it'll happen to you too. You'll, 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 you'll remember your life in decades. <laughs> Derek's always getting on me. He's like, you always say a few years ago when you mean 20. I'm like, I know, but it feels like it was two. And um, back then we had cassette tapes. Christ for the Nations, when they, they were recording on cassette tapes. Y'all remember those beautiful things? Well, I came home and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm on, I'm on this new CFNI album. And uh, he said, you are? He said, well, put it in. So I put the tape in the jam box, and uh, we cranked it up, and man, the band was playing. You could hear all the student body singing, God rules over the nations. That was a big song back then. Anyway, um, and he said, that's cool. This is, where, which one are you? I said, I don't have any idea, but I am in there. I am in that group of people. <laughs> oh, okay. Look at, look at Revelation chapter 7. Listen to this. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before, they are before, they are before, they are before. Are you getting it? They are before. You are seated in heavenly places. You are. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their 
eyes. Who is it? Who is it that John saw? Who did he see in that crowd? Who was John looking at at that moment? What was God revealing to him? God was revealing him to you, Shane Burke, that you were standing there before that throne worshiping God. He was standing there seeing you, Pastor Everett. He saw you, Miss Dan. He saw all of us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ already there, standing before the throne of God, worshiping God, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. We're all there in the book. Hallelujah. We're all there in that vision. We're all there in heaven right now. Hallelujah. Right now it's a reality. It's a done deal. It's finished. I don't know where you might be, but you're there. You're there. We're there. So we got to live like we're there. We live like we're already standing before the throne, worshiping him forever and ever. That what Jesus did took us all the way to heaven. It ain't trying to take us if we're good enough, if we really told the line, and we're there. We're there. Because we are eternally alive by faith in God. Mm. I hope that blesses you tonight. I'm going to heaven, but I'm already there. I'm going to meet myself. <laughs> some want to see David. Some want to see Abraham. Some want to, I want to see me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Oh, this is so big. This is so big. It's so wonderful. Our lives are wrapped up in the life of God, entwined with him, one with his spirit, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Tonight, be encouraged that what he has, you have. Where he is, you are. And you are meant, you are made, you are created for a life of victory on this earth. There should never, ever be a day where God's people fail. Now, listen, we do. We do mess up. We do, those things do happen. But the reality is, it doesn't have to happen. Because we are there already reigning with him. And if you'll identify with that, with who you are there, then you'll live a different kind of life right here. You'll see your life as one without excuses. Yeah. Boy, this is growing up time right here. You'll see your life as one without excuses. You won't continue to accept tripping up. You won't continue to accept. Are you hearing me? Those weaknesses, those things that hinder you in your relationship and your fellowship with Almighty God. You just won't put up with them because you, you understand, no, 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 I'm already one with him. I'm already there. I'm not going to accept a lesser lifestyle than what I already have. I'm going after what God has for me. As long as I'm here on this earth, and ladies and gentlemen, we're here on this earth for just a short amount of time. Compared to eternity, that's it. Go after all that God has for you right now. 
Live like you're already there. Rule like you already rule. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, in my name, you'll be able to do anything. In my name, miracles will happen. In my name. That's how so closely connected we are to him. All we have to do is speak his name. Father, I thank you. Every, every eye closed for just a moment. You're here tonight. You're saying, Pastor Eric, I have been living a lot less reality than what you're talking about tonight. I have accepted things in my life that I should not accept because I've identified with what I'm seeing, with what, I'm, what I'm feeling, what I'm hearing, what I've done before. And that's what I find myself getting wrapped up in. But tonight, I want to open my eyes to this reality and leave this stuff behind me. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand where you are right now. Make a statement of faith right here. Yeah, you're not alone here. Lots of hands up. Father, I thank you right now for your grace upon these to see themselves how you see them. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. Oh, God, help us not to get caught up by the man in the mirror. But Father God, what we see in the Word, because your Word is a mirror. Your Word shows us what life can be. Your, shows, your Word shows us who you see us as. Hallelujah. How you see us. And as you look at Jesus is how you look at us. Hallelujah. Father God, help us to wrap our minds around that, to get that in our hearts, to get that in our mouths, God, so that it can be in our lives, that every day we truly live like he does. As he is, so are we in this world, Father, so that we won't be tripped up by our own selves, but Father God, understand that we're a part of something so much greater than ourselves. We're a part of an eternal purpose. Hallelujah. Seated in heavenly places. And as we go from this place tonight, I thank you for the grace of God empowering your people to do just that, to fuel their lives in that holy estate that they already live in, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the message of reconciliation that you've put in our hearts, even as Paul said, that our message now is be reconciled to God. God's already reconciled you. Be reconciled. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.